0: Hey everyone, this is Kyle Maddox, your host for the Life and Ministry podcast. A podcast where we strive to give you the tools to help you become all that God has called you to be, and most of all, to help you balance life and ministry. We would love to hear from you if there's a subject that you would like us to cover, or any questions pertaining to life or ministry. We would love for you to email them to us at lifeandministry777 at gmail.com, or by sending us a direct message on our Life and Ministry Facebook page. We do pray that this podcast blesses you today and most of all sheds new light in what God has called you to do. What do you say? Let's dive into this podcast. We pray you all have a great day. Welcome to Life and Ministry. I'm your host, Kyle Maddox, and I'm so thankful to be joining you today. And we are excited today to have the ministry of Sister Kara McCoy. Sister McCoy is a licensed minister and also serves in other capacities. She's going to introduce herself in just a few moments and give us a a better understanding of who she is, what she does in ministry. And we're just so looking forward to her today at being on Life in Ministry. And Sister McCoy, thank you so much. I know you've had a busy week, and I think this is like the ninth or tenth time you've spoken. And uh, we're just so appreciative of you taking time and sacrificing your time in ministry. And we're so appreciative of you. So what I'd like you to do is just greet our audience, give your support on what we're doing here at Life in Ministry, but then also give an overview of our subject today, and which is engaging the whole family in ministry. We're so thankful to have you, Sister McCoy. Take your liberty in Jesus'
1: name. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the invitation. It's wonderful to be with you and just sort of get to know this ministry a little bit. Um, I am from the South Texas District. I moved there just a few years ago. I grew up born and raised in Minnesota. So um, down in the South, I'm kind of getting to know all of you guys' ways and mannerisms, but I have found many, many friends in Mississippi. So I am so grateful and honored that you would invite me on your program. Um, I think uh, part of who I am, I grew up in a minister's home. My dad was a preacher. And uh, he was an assistant pastor in our church. My mom was the Sunday school teacher. It seemed like every time I moved up, she moved up. I'm like, Lord, help me deliver me from my mother. But I mean, she's a wonderful person. Yeah. But no, it was a lot of the same voices in my life uh, throughout my adolescence. And moved on to CLC for graduate uh, when I went on to graduate high school and move on to college. But then I moved into the counseling field. So I've got a master's of arts in Counseling and Master of Science in Psychology, and I'm finishing up my PhD in Clinical Psychology right now. So I've really worked a lot to understand people, especially children, and that's kind of what I do. Uh, I am a children's evangelist. I'm an ordained minister. I spend a lot of time working with kids, but really probably my favorite part of working in any church is doing teacher training, working with leadership in a church, trying to help us to understand and see who we are who these people are, we're working with these little kids and understanding the pressure that's on them as uh, not only just church members, but also the children of leadership. I think if we're going to be talking about how to engage the children of ministry, we really have to look at an entire church culture. I teach a lot about engaging the entire Sunday school. There's no reason why you have to wait till you're 17 to start working within the church. I mean, we talk about how you know, this is the, this, uh, our next generation they're raising it. Okay. Well, who's going to train them? Uh, where are they getting this passion from? They sit and they watch a lot of preachers, but some of them have a desire to preach. And, and so why not engage young people, make it part of your church culture that young people from a very young age are getting involved in leadership, having leadership opportunities being given, um, kind of that little taste in advance of what it might be like to be a greeter or a song, like a, a worship leader, stuff like that. So um, that's kind of where I, where I have set a lot of my training just to help people understand that kids are so motivated right now. Like they want to be part of stuff right now. Every kid thinks they can win American Idol. Like every kid thinks that they're going to be the next president or they're going to be the next whatever, because their brains are so full of skills and talents and ideas. And so many times adults just don't listen. Mm -hmm. So It's time to open the door to them and say, okay, so what do you think? Uh, My favorite story that I tell in teacher training is uh, when the pandemic hit, all yes. of a sudden, all these churches were forced to use technology who had like no idea what to do. You know, <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys, you you tune in on Sunday, and there's this little preacher really far away, on this kind of grainy screen, and you kind of could hear sometimes you couldn't and the singer sounded terrible. Every church I talked to, I'm like, put your youth in charge of your media. Mm-hmm. They live surrounded in media. If if I'm a pastor and I got a teenager in my house, I'm I'm going to ask them, hey, 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 go on Amazon, order what we need. You know what we need yep. and put them in charge of that. Give them authority. You know, it's it's lended authority like I'm borrowing it to them. Yes. But that's that's all right. That's all right. They'll surprise you with the amazing things they'll do. So that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. I'm a huge advocate for young people. And kind of giving them a chance because yes, they're going to mess up, right? Didn't we all mess up? But um, more than not, they're going to surprise you with what God can do through them. That's
0: incredible, and that's and that's what we're talking about today is engaging the whole family, and that's it's it's a vital part of ministry because the more your family's involved, the easier it will be on you. Um, I think. And um, and it's just so incredible. And I'm so thankful that with, to have you on Life in Ministry because of your experience, not only on the ministry side, but also in the counseling and uh, other aspects of what you've done in life. And we're so appreciative of it. So why don't you just kind of share with us a little bit more on engaging the whole family in ministry, and then we'll jump into some questions and just see what, what we can come up with to help us engage our family in ministry.
1: Sure. I think one of the first things we should do trying to engage the whole family is to have the conversation as a family. Um, What is it your kids want to do? Um, Sometimes we assume, you know, we think, well, I see these traits in her and I really do think that this is where God is leading her. And, And maybe in all of my wisdom, I might be right. But from her perspective, she's looking at a completely different role and she knows what she's dreaming about in her bedroom when she's, making all those plans for her future, have that discussion. Like, what, what do you really want to do? I'm a, I'm also an advocate for not forcing your children to do things. Um, you know, all the children are doing this. Well, if my child is struggling with severe anxiety and I say all the things, you know, Oh, it's, it's going to be fine. Everybody loves you. Oh, don't worry. It's, it's no big deal. Uh, you're just making it worse. Allow your children to have a voice. If they don't want to do this thing this week, okay, let's, let's, you know, this is like two minutes from start. It's going to start in two minutes. I'm going to pressure you until you do it. Well, you might not, you might regret that, you know, take that pressure off and then figure out what's going on. So many times young people need, um, they just need to like get their bearings. Anxiety is on the rise with young people. They say that on average, um, even though it's not diagnosable as a condition, many young people see anxiety emerge around age six. Mm. And we can all imagine, you know, while they leave the nest, you know, they start going to school, stuff like that. But it's not that different when you're in a church atmosphere and you are the preacher's kid or your mom is a Sunday school teacher, whatever. There's a lot more pressure on you that maybe you're just perceiving it's there. Maybe there isn't actually more pressure, but you think so. And your mom certainly thinks so. Hey, hey, don't say that stuff. You embarrass the family, (laughs) you know? So Give kids a little grace, find out what they want to do, include them where they want, uh, provide skills. Uh, we started a, a work just for children. I started a church for kids in Missouri where we went into these trailer parks and call de sacs And I didn't want to knock on doors because I was terrified I'd get shot. So I <laughs> would just drag a cooler on wheels down the road full of freezy pops. And the kids knew I'd show up every afternoon at four. So they would start following me like little Pied Piper, you know, they want the Freezy Pops. And uh, next thing you know, we had a church. We were doing services in somebody's trailer for a while. We were using a building, somebody else's building for a while. You know, God really did a work because the kids felt valuable. My daughter, she was part of it. She was there to, you know, help lead the worship, lead the songs. things She loved to sing. That's all she wanted to do. I wish she would have preached, you know, but she just wanted to sing, open the door for them. What is it you want to try? And and maybe that's the word try. Let's, let's try a few things out and see how we can get them involved. Um, another thing is sometimes our kids hear what we talk about mm. part of engaging our whole family is being careful what we reveal as adults about what's going on around us in front of our children.
0: So good. Because
1: they're carrying the weight of the knowledge they have about these people that they probably shouldn't have. Um, one stupid example was when I was a kid and I I learned that there was going to be this surprise birthday party for so and so at the church. Well, I didn't know it was a surprise. I just thought it was a party, you know. And I was like, "Oh man, I can't wait to go to your party later." And I wrecked the the plans for everybody. everybody's mad at me. And I know that's a dumb example. It's not life sure. or death, no. but it's really. From a kid perspective, I wanted to run away from home. Mm -hmm. You know, I blamed myself. I thought what a loser I was. You know, all those things that kids think. And as adults, we never think that's crossing their mind. We think they're carefree. And that's not always true. True. So be careful what you reveal to your children. And um, hold on to hope for their innocence, that they're going to continue to grow up um, as sheltered as we are trying to raise them to be in the apostolic world, um, because the only way they're going to last, no matter how much you train them or how much you engage them right now, it's only going to last as long as they hold out. If things start to fall apart, well, that's a whole other episode, right?
0: Yes. That's incredible. And that's it. I I like what you said. I mean, that's, that's one thing I've always been, you know, and I'm glad to hear somebody feels the same way that you're not one to pressure your kids. You're not one to force your kids to, to do something. My daughter has, I mean, she loves to worship. She loves to sing at home. She loves to preach, you know, but she, she yeah. she's not, you know, she's, and she's saying a few times, you know, in church, but she's, she's got to want to, you know, and she's just that type that if she gets pushed, she's going to just back away and what better way to keep them involved by letting them now, again, I think we should, you know, can prod them. We can encourage them to be involved, but at the same time, let it be on their own time because I think they will be more successful and that's what we're trying to do with Life in Ministry is just help people and help, you know, in this case, families be successful in leading their family. And so we're excited. And just to give a plug, we are actually going to be doing another episode here in the next, and you'll be seeing it in the next little while on what is happening to my child to better help you be successful in engaging your child in ministry, but also to make sure you're, you're maybe even realizing some signs that maybe they're, you know, not where they need to be or, you know, ways you can be a better parent. So I'm looking forward to that. But thank you so much, Mr. McCoy. We're going to just dive into some questions here. And the first one is, how do you handle non-apostolic family members and how do you limit their influence?
1: Um, I think this is a little bit tricky Yeah. just because um, it's family, right? You know, I, I would never pull my child away from family members because they didn't share my belief system. However, I think if there were some toxic traits, if there were some, maybe some words that they were saying that were really, I was finding that my child was repeating those things or saying those things, finding similar uh, likes and dislikes to that person. I think I would probably need to reevaluate how much time they spend there. And then at what uh, what are they doing while they're there so we may have uh, more group type things rather than just sending them to spend the week at uncle so-and-so's house um really uh, the majority of the influence on your child stems from you mm. mom and dad. it's what you set up in your house uh nobody's gonna come in and do anything you don't allow so you know if i have a hard time sending my my child to so-and-so's house, so-and-so needs to come over to my house.
0: That's good.
1: You know, come on over. We're going to have a big family barbecue in the backyard. Let's play games and whatever. And by the way, you know, there's no alcohol at my house. We don't drink at my house. And um, there is value in just having a little bit more control over the atmosphere your child is in. Um, I, I met someone once who said she never allowed her child to go on overnight, like sleepovers at a friend's house. And I thought about it, I'm like, well, that seems kind of extreme, but really what, when your child is out of your environment mm. in, and you don't have any control at all, it, it all goes on their shoulders to be the ones to pipe up amongst strangers or their little friends and say, oh, I don't think we should be watching this, or I don't think that we should be listening to this. Um, that's a lot of responsibility for a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old or even a 15-year-old, they very likely will cave to the peer pressure and suddenly be exposed to things that you have no idea they're even being exposed to because they may not come home and tell you. Right. So I, I kind of agree with my friend, you know, bring the kids to my house, you know, or maybe my friend is going to come with her mom and and so the four of us are going to have a night of it or or whatever, whatever you have to do to try to protect your child from whatever environment may not be wholesome for them. Uh, but I think it's important that you are careful what you say about that family member. Oh, that's you good. Know, I love, I love Uncle Bob, you know, man, I can't wait to see him at Christmas. And if I got anything critical to say about him, I'll probably say it in the bedroom to my husband when my daughter's not listening because I don't want her to be jaded against Mm -hmm. him. Like I want him to find the truth. I want him to embrace Christ. I want my daughter to still love him and be close to him because man, you can't have enough advocates in your life as a child. Um, It's you against the world. And so to have that core family, very important, but um, not every family member is going to support an apostolic lifestyle. I get it. And I think I would probably try to keep things in areas I can control them. If I notice my child really is interested in those sorts of things. Does that make sense?
0: That's so good. And, and I like what you said, you know, we have to do whatever we can and whatever we have to do to keep our child protected. It's so, so vitally important. But then that you also said, you know, we, that's our whole purpose for living for God, being the apostolic church is to gain new people and what better people to have than our own family. So we got to be careful. That's that fine that fine line, because again, you either your family, you love them, you care for them, you want to, you know, you want to be around them, you want your kids to be around them. But there again, if there's things and activities that they do that doesn't support what we believe, then obviously, again, like you said, do whatever you can to protect them, but not. And I also like what you said to not talk about them in a negative way around around your kid because that can that can seriously cause some issues. So I I really like that. Thank you so much. Our next question, Sister McCoy, how do you let your children have a voice in the ministry without upsetting the members of the church? This was actually submitted by a pastor's wife. Um, How how do you let your children have a voice in the ministry without upsetting the members of the church?
1: Well, what do you think? Give me your take on that. What do you think that means? Like, is something happening to this child and we need to speak up and change things? Or do you think that this is a child? just having a participation role. What do you think?
0: Talk, talking with this individual was, it's more of a participation role, not wanting to, you know, cause I've seen situations that, you know, all oh, the pastors children are involved all that, you know, that it, it's just because of the pastor's kids. Oh, well, well how can we t- say that when, I mean, they still have a voice, they still have a ministry that God has for them. So, you know the, that's what where it was coming from is you know more of just getting them involved nothing necessarily i don't think was go, you know wrong if you will going on but just wanting them to get involved
1: yeah well i think it goes back to the model i talked about at the very beginning if everybody's child has a voice in ministry then yeah. it comes down to just not picking your kid for the solo every time. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> she may have the most angelic voice, but I'm not going to give you every solo for the kids choir. You know, um, if every child is given an opportunity to have mentorship, then, you know, uh, and one thing I do kind of advocate for is if you're going to have a Christmas play and you're going to have tryouts, don't be the sole judge for who gets what part, oh, you know, good. have a committee, <laughs> have a committee, um, it it really does reduce hurt feelings because folks do kind of get touchy when it comes to their child having opportunities. And I get that. I understand, but, um, yeah, work as a work as a church that's involved in mentorship, raise up every child who wants the opportunity. And so many times we see our children becoming, um, real integral parts of our worship services. Like sure. you see that teenage boy, with the drums over there. Well, he's been learning since he was 10 and he started out downstairs in the kids worship team. And uh, there was one church. I encouraged them. I'm like, okay, this one girl teach her four chords on the piano, just teach her four chords. And then this other kid teach him four chords on the guitar. And then with four chords, you can sing almost every modern worship song. Right. Of and course. then teach one kid the drums. And now you've got a band. And they can lead youth worship once a month, fifth fifth Sunday or something. Um, get kids involved in the things they're interested in. And then they kind of morph into that teen youth group every church wants where the teens are super on fire and they're excited and they're talented and they're jumping in and volunteering and being part of things. They don't have to be teenagers. You can't start them at teenagers. You've got to start them much younger, get them excited and learning now because the entire world wants to steal them from you the world wants yes. their gifts the world wants their talents and he's they're going to suck them away as quickly as possible and always by poisoning the child against the church mm. so we need to train them up not just with scripture but with like love and unconditional belief in them i believe in you oh my word you answered that question so good you could be a sunday school teacher Do you think you'd be interested in teaching next week's lesson? You know, who would like to teach next week's lesson? Is there anybody who wants to try? I mean, just a simple question like that. Two, three kids stick their hand up. All right, I'm going to have you teach the memory verse and you do the song and you do the whatever. Show them that you care and uh, you spread it out, spread the love so that nobody can say you're just picking on your kid, you know,
0: and that and that you said it right you know have that committee have have different one you know select not don't select your kid always you know that as you know to have the solo or to have the part or whatever i think that's so good but also like you said including everyone is so vitally important so there's no issues there's no questions even um but and then also you you, you starting them at you know not they don't have to be a teenager to do it they don't have to there's no you know start them young my 17 month old son is already I was somebody caught it on a, a picture. I, we were in, in the altar call or you know preaching, and uh, I, I had my finger up pointing at the preacher, just talk you know, just encouraging them to preach whatnot. And they got the picture of my son doing at the same time that I was doing it, you know. But then also, I mean, he, 17 months, he's already we'll say hallelujah. He'll put lay his hand on our head, you know, because I walk around on the altar praying with people with them, you know. So starting them young will help them to want to be involved but also it'll show the church that you know you you're able to use different ones not just your kids so I, I really like that that was really good
1: oh well, uh, and I think another there. point All right go ahead another point you could you could make there is um if you have a child who's reticent to volunteer if yeah. they're anxious or they just don't want to like some kids, don't want the limelight and they struggle with inferiority and other things. So my favorite thing to do with kids like that is to sneak them kind of some backdoor opportunities. Like, Hey, would you, um, I need someone to press play, Mm. (laughs) you know, would you, would you come over here and just sit next to my computer and hit the, hit the go button for me? Cause I can't do it all by myself. And you, you help them feel vital. You help them feel important because I literally can't push the button by myself. It's way over there. So, you know, giving kids opportunities, would you stand at the door and hold a welcome sign, or would you be willing to just uh, do a backup? Could you pass out the snack for me? You know, give kids an opportunity that doesn't necessarily have to be limelight, but they kind of grow in that way. They get more and more confident And they might surprise you for the thing they volunteer for next. I can see it from a parent's perspective. If my child was that quiet kid and I thought they could do more and all these other kids are getting opportunities, but my kid seems like she doesn't get an opportunity, but really it's because she never says she wants it. So she never gets chosen. She's been asked, but she doesn't want to. So from my perspective as a parent, I want to see my child do well. And I think it would mean a lot to me as a parent to know that that Sunday school teacher or that pastor's wife was saying, "Hey, would you do this thing? You know, I need someone to straighten these chairs. Let's run around and do this together, and give them that opportunity too, even though it's not quite as visible. Does that make sense?
0: No, totally. And that, and again, again, it goes you know back to even knowing their calling, knowing what you know what they're capable of doing. I, if, if somebody's quiet well you're not going to tell them to you know go stand in front of the church and preach or sing or you know you know start, yeah. start them off you know start them in the sunday school room if you know if they show an interest you know i love that start get give them one of those little tasks that they can do but then also the, helping them make them feel like they're a part of it just as much as the person standing on the platform or in the pulpit so that's very good uh, last, last question i have sister mccoy How And this is a very good question. How do you balance time for your children and the church without feeling like you are neglecting one or the other?
1: Uh, Time is a really sensitive thing, just because if you're in a pastoral role, stuff pops up you don't expect. Um, But I was just listening. I forget who it was. Somebody was just saying the other day, that they would prioritize their family on their schedule. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, they would sit down. Oh, oh no, it was Brother Bernard. They said Brother Bernard would put his family events on his schedule, like it's so and so's birthday. We're gonna go have dinner. We're gonna do this and that. And then if something pops up, you know, you you have to weigh that out. Is this something that really could wait till tomorrow? Because my family does have to take a priority in my life. Um your children will always understand, you know, when you get that phone call and you say, brother, so-and-so was just in a motorcycle wreck and it tore off the bottom half of his body. You know, I need to go pray for him. The kids will always be like, Oh my word. Yes, please go, go daddy. Our bowling game can wait or whatever. But if it's, you know, they've been, we're fighting again. We just need someone to come over and mediate. Well, you know, that we can handle that tomorrow. It's really important that, we show our children that they do matter and yes I do have to divide my time i do it's it's inerrant uh it happens no matter what i try it's gonna happen but um i will always choose you if you're the priority i Mm. I will make you the priority in these situations and it's not it's not a problem i don't feel bad at all you know sometimes we'll say we prioritize our kids and they were like you know, well, yeah, no, no, I told you, I take you swimming, so I'll do it. You know, I probably shouldn't, but I will, you know, well, what kind of love is that? You know, if God showed me that kind of love, I always feel like a failure to him and our kids, they want to know that I choose you and I choose your, mom uh your dad whatever uh my husband and i we had this argument one time uh, with our daughter who was you know doing saying something or whatever and i heard my husband say listen kid (laughs) he's like i married your mother before you were ever even born and my first vote always goes to her (laughs) you know because i made a commitment to her and I said, I do this thing with her. We got to do this thing and then we can do what you want to do. Like there is priority and and I made a commitment. I'm going to stick with it. Um, also, I think it's really helpful for kids to have a schedule to know what's coming up. Yeah. Like, hey, on my refrigerator is the month of May. You can see what's happening in May. My husband has my digital calendar on his phone. He can look at it anytime and know that, you know, I'm free here and I'm busy there. He texted me a couple hours ago because he knew I wasn't doing anything. He's got my schedule. I want my kids to have my schedule. I want them to know what's coming up this week. Not be surprised, you know, get dressed, get dressed, get dressed. Yeah. Come on, why aren't you dressed? Why am I getting dressed, mom? Well, we got to get to whatever. So allow kids the grace of knowing what's coming. Don't just expect them to snap and jump up and run off because you said so. but um, when the emergency does pop up, sometimes we do have to kind of relinquish our schedules a little bit. And that's just part of the job, I suppose, and having a heart and compassion for ministry. And, and I think that your kids will have the same compassion if they don't feel cheated all the other times, you know, cause man, dad, you always do that thing. You say you're going to do. And this time, oh yeah, I get it you know, his, his legs are on the highway, please go pray for him, you know, (laughs) whatever they'll get it. They'll get it. And, um, I I think a lot of our kids, I've heard many, many people that walked away from the church, Mm. as youth say that they felt cheated, that the church stole their parents from them. And I've also seen the other side where, uh, they were just thanking a presbyter for his many years of service. And they thanked his children for sharing their dad With their district. There is a real reality there that we have to remember. We are giving parts of our lives away sometimes for free, (laughs) you know, we're just doing it for the, the, the Lord and, and what we believe we should do, but kids uh, they need hands on. They need to know that you really do care like in the now, because my puppy died now, and I need you to be here to support me. Cause I don't think I can live without my puppy. And uh, even though it seems small to us, we really do need to show that support.
0: I love that. And it, it goes back to, like you said, prioritize, you know, balance, you know, which can be, which is a struggle being able to say, no, that's one of my, That's one of my struggles, you know, but it, it comes to, you got to prioritize. and not saying you put one over the other. Obviously we know, you know, obviously God comes first family and then the church. But there again, so there are those times that we may be able to, we may feel like, well, you're putting them over me or, you know, you're putting, you know, your family over me or whatnot. But if if we prioritize, but also communicate, I like what you said. And I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to start that with putting that calendar on the, you know, on the, on the fridge or, you know, wherever. So that, you know, because again, if the kid knows or the family knows, hey, this is what I have going on, there's no question. Okay, well, I know I can, you know, and I'll give them the opportunity. Hey, dad, can can we do this at this time? Or, hey, mom, can we do this at that time? That's so good because again it involves them. You know we're wanting to get their kids involved in ministry. Well, this is that this is, could be a way of at least starting at the home. You know, letting them pick and you know schedule things and do things and and feel a part of it because I think that's one thing. You know, like you said with the presbyter, them acknowledging the kids. Sometimes I think in ministry we forget the family, forget the kids. Not saying necessarily, necessarily intentional, but. We get busy. We're, we got a task to do. We got things, you know, prior, priorities to take care of. But so long, so many times we, I think we do forget the kid, and I'm so thankful to hear that story. You know, there's others. I'm not saying it's, you know, all, all over, but it's so important and so vital that we include the entire family as we're talking tonight, engaging the whole family in ministry, which is a, a topic that can be talked about for hours because, again, it's it's so important that we're engaging the entire family In ministry. So, as we wrap up, Sister McCoy, if you would just kind of share some final remarks and I'll come back with our closing remarks for this episode.
1: Sure. I really believe that if you're going to have a calendar and you're going to put your church responsibilities on it, make sure that you have just as many family responsibilities listed. Don't just have it be this is the church block and then empty space. Like fill some of that empty space with equal amounts of family space. And, um, You know, something that is important that we haven't mentioned, and I think we probably should, is prayer, family prayer. I didn't grow up in a family that had like prayer time together. That's like a foreign concept to me. But the more I have lived, the more I have realized how valuable that really is. Don't just pray over your children when they go to bed at night. Teach them to pray with you. They need to say something, get their voice to pray. Um, That connection with God comes through you, not through your Sunday school teacher or through anybody else at church. It comes just from you. And um, so enrich your family's life and that will inspire them to be engaged. They would probably love to be involved in somewhere that they felt valued them and understood them. So I pray that everyone watching, whoever may be listening today, that they would open up their hearts to the, the feelings and the kind of limited sheltered understanding of a child and how they don't see the big picture. They only see you right now. So I pray they will, they'll feel it.
0: That's so good. And I love what you said, you know, because everything begins and ends with prayer. You know, it's so, so vitally important that, that we include, you know, our kids, our family in prayer, have family time, family prayer time, family devotion time. It's so vitally important because it's, it's, it's how we. That's how we feed our our our, our spiritual man, and that's how exactly. we gain closer and closer to God. And I think that will help our children, help our family, to to like you said, be engaged in, in ministry and want to be engaged in ministry. And so so vitally important that that we include that prayer time. So, Sister McCoy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're so thankful for your ministry and so thankful for what you've shared. This is a topic that we can talk about again. For hours, because it's just one of those topics, because again, if we're not engaging our family, if we're not being successful in engaging our whole family ministry, it, it, one's one's going to one's gonna suffer, whether it be the ministry or the family. Why not be successful in both by just making some maybe adjustments and, and prioritizing our time with both of them? And so I pray this episode's been a blessing to us. We've been blessed by Sister McCoy's ministry, and we just pray you all have a great day in Jesus' name.